Welcome to the Essay for FAs podcast, a series that addresses issues of current interest of financial advisors, including retirement planning, asset allocation, and the economy. I am your host, Gil Weinrich of Seeking Alpha, and today it is my distinct pleasure to welcome Eric Nelson, a highly opinionated financial advisor and principal of Servo Wealth Management. Eric has argued in past articles on Seeking Alpha that investors harbor a false understanding of what genuine security is and really ought to embrace volatility. Eric, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Gil. Great to be here. It's a pleasure. We've got a lot to talk about this morning, so let's start this way. What is the primary risk that investors are defending against in preparing for retirement? Well, I think the irony in the answer to this question is it's not what you often hear from investors when they talk to you about their long-term goals. They'll share with you that they're worried about the next bear market, the next stock market decline, what's going to happen to their portfolio over the next six to 12 months, and they don't want to lose money. They don't want to see their portfolios go backwards. They're worried about loss of principal. But when you talk to retirees who have been at this for 15, 20, 30 years, what you realize is it's not principal risk that's a big issue for them. It's the purchasing power of their portfolio. They spend a lot more in years 20 and 25 and 30 of retirement than they do in year one and two. So it's that purchasing power that they really have to protect against. You talk to a lot of people and they just aren't able to think a decade or two out. So they make decisions that are counter to what they're going to be trying to accomplish for the rest of their lives. So how are they hurting themselves exactly? Well, you see portfolios that they're putting together are designed to not lose money in the short term. They're overly conservatively invested in, say, bonds. They think of stocks as being too risky for their income goals and retirement. But the reality is the more money that you put in these really safe investments, the less the portfolio is going to grow over time. And they run the risk 10, 15 years down the road that their portfolio hasn't grown at a rate that they're going to be able to continue to spend at the levels they need to to maintain their standard of living. But we don't do a good job of thinking about our lives 10, 15, 20 years down the road. We're more worried about the next six to 12 months. And by the time we realize we've made mistakes, it's too late. It's hard to turn the ship around. People like Ron Sears, one of the critics of target date funds, argue that to the contrary, people are taking too much risk before retirement. You're actually saying to the contrary, people are too risk averse. I think so. It's not that losing money in the stock market isn't an issue. But it's primarily an issue if you sell when stocks are down. If you have a retirement portfolio that is mostly allocated to stocks and you see a stock market decline early on in retirement, you have the time to make that back. I'm not necessarily advocating somebody put 100% of their money in stocks. They should have some money set aside in safer bonds to weather the storm of a bear market. But if you turn to the bond side of a portfolio and take some withdrawals for a couple years out of bonds and give stocks a chance to recover, those temporary declines disappear. And what you're left with is the longer term, higher rates of return on stocks, which are the returns that you need to continue to spend at higher rates 10, 15, 20 years down the road. I hear you about 10, 15, 20 years down the road, but what would you say about those who are concerned about specifically the moment of retirement? In other words, the sequence of returns issue. Sequence of returns is an issue. I just don't think it's as much of an issue as we've made it out to be in the industry. Certainly a retiree that 
experiences a 20 or 30 or 40% stock market decline in year one or year two of retirement is going to start behind the eight ball. But what we normally see in years after a big market decline is above average returns on stocks. And so eventually you'll see the long-term return on stocks catch up to what we've seen historically. And so long as we don't spend all of our stock allocation during the bear market, we will eventually see our portfolio recover and probably reach new highs. So even if an investor retires, in say 2000 or 2008, those were very difficult times to retire. The S&P 500 lost 40% between 2000 and 2002, and then closer to 50% in 2008. But we also know from 2003 to 2006 or 2009 through Friday, the returns on stocks have been quite high and have been more than sufficient to make back the lost ground that we saw during the bear market in retiree portfolios and retirement situations where they didn't panic and sell are actually in pretty good shape today, especially if they had a couple of years of their income set aside and say a short-term bond investment that they could have drawn on for a year or two while they were waiting for the stock market to come back. Is there a preferred allocation to bonds in terms of percentage? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I, I think it differs for everybody because when I sit down and talk to somebody who's thinking about retirement or is already in retirement, you do want to walk through and discuss what bear markets look like. It's it's a psychological issue, but it is a serious one to see your portfolio drop in value, however temporarily. So you want to help each investor understand how much of a decline that they can tolerate. But with that said, I think a general rule of thumb that works well is to set aside four or five years worth of their future spending in a short-term bond fund. So if somebody has, let's say, a million dollars and they want to spend $50,000 a year, that's about a 5% withdrawal rate, which is, I think, okay uh, for a good diversified portfolio. If you set aside $250,000 or about 25% of your portfolio in a short-term bond allocation, that allows you to invest in a diversified stock allocation with the other 75%. One of the more conservative strategies that you have in the past frowned on is an allocation to income annuities, which some of your more planning-oriented colleagues favor. Could you explain? I look at a lot of the common retirement solutions today, whether they're target date funds or income annuities, and I just don't think they're as optimal as some of the planners suggest. So if we were to look at income annuities, for example, the way an income annuity works, which is different from a fixed annuity or a variable annuity, an income or immediate annuity as an investor, you give your money to an insurance company and the insurance company promises you a set payout for the rest of your life. Let's say there's different options on how you want to structure that. Some are period certain. Some are over a joint life expectancy if you're a uh, husband and wife and you want to cover both lives. The issue with an income annuity is the payouts are really quite low. So you might be able to get a 4% or a 5% payout today, which sounds consistent with what I just mentioned. But realize at the end of your life or at the end of a joint life scenario, there's no money left. There's no money to leave to your heirs, number one. Number two, we're still at a point where most income annuities are not adjusted for inflation. So that risk that I talked about a couple minutes ago, not seeing your income grow over time as things get more and more expensive as your retirement proceeds, that's a very real risk of an annuity. 
So what are the kinds of products investors should be using? And while we're at it, which other products and strategies should they avoid? Yeah, that's a good question. So we've talked a little bit about immediate annuities. The other one that's very common today that you're seeing a lot of money going towards are target date mutual funds. They're in 401ks and you see a lot of retirees embracing them even after they retire and roll their 401ks into IRAs. And my issue with target date funds, as we've touched on a little bit, is just they get much more conservative as the person gets older. And it's not uncommon at all to see a, a, a target date fund for a 65 to 70 year old be 70 to 75% in bonds and fixed income. And that works if your goal is, like we talked about before, to not lose any money in the short run. But if you're going to be around for 20, 25 years and need an income stream from your investment portfolio that doubles and possibly triples, an allocation of 75 to 80% in bonds simply isn't going to provide you that with yields of just 3% today on a high quality fixed income portfolio. So it's that huge mistake that I talked about before, which you're seeing upwards of, I'd say a trillion dollars go in that direction because people are viewing their retirement risk in the near term as, oh, I can't afford to lose money. A big stock market decline would ruin my retirement without considering what their withdrawals need to be 15 or 20 years down the road. So there's target date funds, there's immediate annuities. And then you see a trend towards two other items that I take issue with or investments. The first is a portfolio of dividend paying stocks. This is a very common destination for retirees. They like to build a portfolio of a dozen or maybe two dozen individual stocks that have historically had high dividend payouts. And the way that they run that portfolio is they just live off the dividends. And on paper, it seems like it, it should work fine. You're invested in stocks as I advocate, and you're controlling for future rises in income needs. The issue is most dividend-based portfolios are invested in one asset class. They're invested in large cap U.S. stocks. So it doesn't matter how good the companies are, you're just invested in one asset class and all single asset classes can go long periods with subpar returns. Whether it's because the prices decline precipitously, the dividends get cut, whatever. Whenever you look at concentrated portfolios in a single asset class, you can pick out two or three reasonably long stretches of time just over the last 30 or 40 years where a single asset class has performed very poorly. And the risk to a retiree there is if prices are declining, if dividends get cut like we might have seen during the lost decade from 2000 to 2009, retirees are going to have to start spending from principal and not just the dividends begin slowly whittling their retirement allocation down to a point where they're at a, a decision point not too far into the future where they either have to cut their spending or they have to significantly dip into principal and run the risk of, of running out of money. And then the last one is this whole notion that investing is as simple as just keeping expense ratios low and buying some basic index funds like the S&P 500 or a total stock index. You're seeing a lot of retirees either through target date funds or just using individual funds, put their money in an S&P 500 fund, maybe a total bond index fund, and not worry so much about the diversification or the expected returns, but just know that my expenses are 5 100 of a percent and that's about as good as I can do and I should be fine as long as I keep my expenses low. But when you look at where the money's going towards these low cost indexes, it's the same issue that I talked about with dividend paying stocks. It's all in one or two asset classes. 
So whether we're talking about the S&P 500 or a total stock market index, those portfolios are all invested in large cap U.S. stocks. Sometimes you'll see somebody put some money in a total international fund, but those are big multinational companies that are very highly correlated with U.S. blue chip stocks. And we don't have to go back farther than 2000 to see a 10-year stretch from 2000 to 2009 where the U.S. stock market, the S&P 500, lost 1% a year. And so you think about trying to generate 4 or 5% a year in retirement from a portfolio that starts off the first decade with negative returns. It's just very difficult to do. So how do you get your clients the diversification that they need? You have to look beyond large U.S. stocks and bonds. I do think that's a good first step. But then we begin to talk about what stock options do we have and where should we allocate our funds outside of large U.S. companies. And this is where we can look to the really long-term evidence that shows, first of all, global diversification is important. But within U.S. and international markets, there's a big difference between small companies and large companies. Smaller stocks have had higher long-term returns than large stocks, and they also provide a pretty good diversity diversification benefit. And then the other consideration is the prices of the stocks that you're buying. Low-priced value stocks have historically generated much higher returns than high-priced growth stocks, although not recently. And so creating a diversified stock portfolio that has large and small growth and value stocks in U.S. and international markets is a much better approach, especially today, for retirement allocation with, let's say, 70 to 80% of your portfolio with the remaining 20 or 30%, maybe 25% in a short-term bond allocation. That's a portfolio that looking back to the lost decade from 2000 to 2009 would have done quite well. And then international small cap value stocks earning 7 to 9%. So those asset classes really help to support you during a period of time where the single asset class that everybody probably has most of their money in, blue chip US stocks, really struggled. So beyond the numbers and the data you've been presenting, what ultimately is the value that an advisor adds to retirement investors? First and foremost, it's on the planning side, helping somebody to see the long term and what lies ahead 10 or 20 years down the road when most of us are focused on just the next couple months or maybe the next couple years. But living with your portfolio and your financial plan over time can be very difficult. And when the stock market declines, we're in a bear market or there's a a risk or you're worried about rising interest rates, the behavior of an investor can be the single biggest reason why they don't achieve their long-term goals. They make bad decisions at the wrong time. They chase performance. They sell an investment that's done poorly to buy something that's done well recently. And where an advisor can really help somebody is to say, well, you are just like everybody else in many, many cases, and you're potentially going to make decisions that could compromise your long-term success. I'm going to be here to hold your hand, to make sure that you stay committed to your plan and not do the things that could jeopardize your success. Sometimes saying no to an idea and making a switch in a portfolio and not doing anything is one of the biggest value adds that we can provide to somebody. Can you share any anecdotes where you found that you made a big difference? That's That's a very good question. Generally, I think one of the approaches that I take that has had the most success is to reframe decisions. 
take a step back and we try to frame the decision within the broader context of what the long-term goals are and what the client or what the investor is trying to accomplish. And when you do that, when you frame the individual investment decision within the context of a bigger picture plan, sometimes the light bulb goes off and it goes, oh, well, maybe that seemed like a good decision in and of itself, but the person I was talking to or the article that I was reading wasn't appropriate for me. Maybe I don't have to worry about a short-term decline because I have another 20 or 30 years where I'm going to be in retirement retirement. Or maybe a bear market isn't going to affect me that much because a lot of my retirement portfolio is designed to be left to my children in a legacy. And the things that are commonly being talked about today that I'm being told that I should worry about don't apply to my to my individual situation. And there's sort of a sigh of relief when you realize your plan can be designed with you in mind. It makes staying the course and sticking with your allocation and making good decisions that much easier. Not having to worry and a sigh of relief. Now that's an alternative investment that not a few investors would like to buy. Thank you very much for those thoughts. Eric Nelson of Servo Wealth Management. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Gil. A lot of fun. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You can contact me at gill at seekingalpha.com if you have feedback or requests. And make sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts.